let me tell you, Rick Roberts School of Laughs. You're not gonna find better laughs anywhere, okay? There's, they're the best laughs. He's got a school. It's like a school of fish, but they're all giggling, okay? They're very, very, very beautiful laughs. Welcome to the School of Laughs podcast, brought to you by SchoolofLaughs.com. Whether you're an aspiring comedian, a part-time pro, or a speaker who wants to become funnier, this is the podcast for you. We'll break down tools, tips, and techniques to help you get bigger, better, and more bookable. And now, here's the show. Welcome to the School of Last podcast. Rick Roberts here. I'd like to thank our new sponsor, the Art of Bombing Podcast. You'll hear a little bit more about that in the middle of the show. But Art of Bombing Podcast, where they talk about your worst bombing experiences on stage. All kinds of great episodes already in the hopper. You can go over there and check out that podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, anywhere that you get your podcast. Also, would like to thank Brad Bear, our Patreon sponsor for this particular episode. I'd like to thank all 30 of you that are sponsoring the podcast through Patreon and making it happen got a fun episode today with comedian ed wiley ed's from down in south georgia and he has done all he can from where he is to get where he is today does that make sense well a little bit ed has covered a lot of ground uh in fact he was covering two and a half hour drives from south georgia into atlanta and of course back so five hour drives to do seven to ten minutes like a lot of us do when we first start but did that for a while and uh, still goes up there from time to time. But South Georgia, he's got a goat farm. We're going to talk about that a little bit. We'll talk a little bit about his days where he would uh, do Elvis impersonations, where he had the uh, had a jumpsuit and everything almost. So pretty cool. Talk about his uh, three different clips that have gone viral. He's had a lot of success. Uh, puts out a lot of things, and a few of those things hit pretty big. We'll talk about that. And just overall talking about how to manage family and comedy when you start a little bit later in life. Ed's a great impressionist, and uh, you're going to hear a few of those impressions pop here and there as you did in the in the opening. Uh, we'll get into that in just one minute. I'm going to take less than 30 seconds to tell you about some upcoming dates, so start the timer now. June 24th, that's a Sunday from 1 to 4 p.m., there'll be the Business of Comedy class here in Nashville. The cost is $99. You're going to learn everything you need to know about going full-time, how to get there, what you need when you get there, July 12th, a graduation show, Third Coast Comedy Club here in Nashville, where some of our recent students take the stage, and the writing class coming up July 9th, 16th, and 23rd here in Nashville as well. All that information is in the show notes and on schooloflast.com. Now, let's kick it in to the interview with Ed Wiley. I am here with Ed Wiley. How's it going, sir? Pretty good, man. Pretty good. Driving all the way up from Georgia to Nashville. Deep South Georgia. That's right. And uh, how was traffic? He had to roll through Bonnaroo. I was, they were just getting warmed up. Yeah. I saw him looped around. I just, you know, I passed by him like I was in the HOV lane or something. But uh, it was, they were, they were swerving. So they were, they were already prepped. What I was think. it like to not be in the HOV lane? Because uh, you have a pretty good sized family. I do. I'm always in the HOV lane. Uh. <laughs> I mean, it was degrading. I felt, I felt discriminated against. Did you feel like just bringing a goat or something to, I to did. cast a shadow on did. The... You know, in 1994, <laughs> I saw a goat in a passenger seat in Metro Atlanta. Uh, but that's another... You did? I did, yeah. I was young. Maybe I didn't. Maybe I was... <laughs> did that influence you into the world of goats? Nope. Nope. Yeah, that was my wife that. that did that. So. That's... Oh, really? So yes. she she was amongst the goats first. 
this was all her. I mean, I talk about this in my act, but you know, it's it's like you know, we do have goats. Why? Two words. My wife. Yeah. She she wanted to milk goats. We've had as many as 60. (laughs) I just can't even fathom having 60 of anything. Well, you know. If I had 60 wasps, I'd probably move. You got 60 goats. Yeah, we were like the Solomon of goats or something. I don't know. (laughs) Is that? (laughs) I think you're right. Yeah. Now, uh, we'll get to the comedy stuff in a second, but I'm curious, where and how did you meet your wife? Because you guys... Oh, y'all yeah. seem like high school sweethearts, but that's not true. No, we met when we uh, so so I had just graduated from college and she was still in college and we met at a little church in uh, near downtown Atlanta. Her roommate brought her to church, and I was like, uh, "I think you're an attractive sister in Christ. And I'd like to continue <laughs> interacting with you." <laughs> and she was like, "Get away from me!" Uh, but eventually, she acquiesced. And uh, am I allowed to say that acquiesced? Yeah, I just want to ask you to spell it. Okay. Oh, I can't. I will fail so <laughs> hard. Uh, yeah. So we uh, it was pretty quick. We we met. Uh, we dated for six months. Got engaged. And then got married six months after that. There you go. And then six weeks after that, found out we were expecting child number one, and we didn't stop for like 100 years. And now you have a total of? Six kids. How about that? So yeah. for every 10 goats, you have a child? There is a ratio. <laughs> 10 to 1. <laughs> got to keep it real. Yes. That's hilarious. And so at that time, she didn't know you were going to even get into comedy at all, right? It wasn't even on my radar. I knew people did it, um, but I didn't. I did. I used to sing Elvis like for fun. Uh-huh. That was a thing I did, and it was, you know, I knew I'd got. I knew I needed to stop doing that when I entered a contest. I didn't like <laughs> dye my hair or anything, but I entered a contest and I placed second to a guy who'd like been in movies, and I was like, I'm getting way too close to this fire. Yeah, yeah. So I got out. It was just a. That was just. I mean, it was it was funny, right? Did you have a jumpsuit or anything? Um, I had a pleather suit that Annie <laughs> bought me at, at Goodwill. It had an American flag on the back, so I would. My big, my big thing was uh, at the end of American Trilogy, the bum, bum, bum. Yeah. I would turn around and reveal the American flag on the back of the pleather suit. <laughs> was there a cape involved or no? No cape. Okay. This so you was, really had to, you, you couldn't, you could not turn around that audience. No, it was, I was very rigid. It was kind of awkward. Yeah. Yeah. You would have ruined the closer. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was so bad. I assume we're being like a serious Elvis. You weren't cracking jokes between songs, or were you finding humor? I mean, humor? I thought the whole thing was funny. Yeah. I didn't. I was like, I've been an Elvis fan a long time, but doing that was just to make people laugh. I just never, at that point in time, I never thought, oh, maybe. This is I still, it still wasn't on my radar. Right. At the time, were you a computer programmer? Pretty yeah. Much? Yeah. I was in, so I've, you know, worked in uh, kind of the software business for you know what since i got out of college and uh yeah I, that's kind of that's kind of like what i've done to you know put to put food on my family uh yeah not on the table and, just put, but on the family actual george w bush quote <laughs> put food on my family uh you know so yeah that's um that's what i've done and so that's you know comedy is a little different when it comes it's it's very subjective it's like entrepreneurship with a lot of subjectivity, more than anything in the software business. A whole lot. And, so, it, and changes from night to night. Oh, yeah. 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 Now, I remember speaking to you on New Year's Day. I think it was 2014, was 2015. That 20, um, that's what I was trying to figure out. It's either 14 or 15. I think it was 15. Yeah. Because I started in 14. Okay. I was like, I need... I need some structure to this. Yes. And was I doing the podcast that time or did had you just found like the website? I found the podcast. And I was like, this, this, this is useful. 
I it, like it really it really helped me to kind of put some. And then I signed up for your class and I took your your online class. Right. I don't. I'm I, not getting paid for this, y'all. The online class is very good. Are you still offering the online class? I, I, don't even I am, but I, I didn't realize that a I had the podcast going in 2000 because it must have been June of 2014 when I started this. Okay. I that yeah that must that must which is right. I didn't realize it was that long ago. And I started it kind of when the when the online course came out, so I could let people know about it. But also, if they didn't want to take the online class, they get a lot of information for nothing. Okay. But I remember, yeah, I was, this is how much of a nerd I am. So January first, nothing's going on, you know. So I go to my office and I'm just like sorting out my tax documents for the year. Yeah. And I'm like, and I'm literally sitting there going, man, this somebody call or do something. This is I can't sit here. And then the phone rings. You're like, you got a minute? I'm like I got all the time you need. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we talked for like an hour almost. Yeah, we talked for a while. 40, 40 minutes at least. Yeah, it was, it was super helpful. Well, I thought that, you know, after talking to you, I'm like, this is a guy that's serious about trying to figure this out and trying to, you know, learn a few things not to do, but also you wanted to get that material tight and, and figure it out. Yeah. I, I want to say we even talked over a few jokes or something real quick just to kind of... Yeah, we did. Yeah. We did. And then um, the next thing I know... Was it six months later that you were at uh, one of the CCA conferences, or was it a year? It was. Um, let's see. Let me see if I can piece this together. Um, I went to the CCA. I've been to three CCAs. So I went in 2015. One of my kids was really sick. I was like on a. I had. I was on a hiatus from comedy because mm-hmm. I, I couldn't go anywhere. So I was there, but I was like a fly on a wall. Right. I was just kind of watching, observing. Soaking in. And did you have your family with you? My family town? was with me. So I think that was. 15. We were just looming. Yeah, in fifteen, we were all there together, including the the sick daughter who was kind of like she was on the cusp of like figuring out what was wrong with her. We were running back and forth from South Georgia to Atlanta, so that was kind of a scary time, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, yeah, and then um, when she was well, I kind of jumped back into it, and uh, I want to say the first thing I did was a uh, uh, Derek Tennant had a show. Like a, a TV clean contest, like bleep free comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In um in Smyrna, Georgia, and um I had done it before. I'd not won it, but I went. I wrote three new. It's a tight three, uh-huh. and um I had a good night, a really good night. After not having been on stage, I'd been practicing at home. Like we started because I couldn't, I couldn't go anywhere because my kid was so sick. Yeah. Um, we started doing family open mics. I know that sounds crazy. I remember seeing some. You would post a little footage yeah. here and there. Yeah. I mean, when you have, I guess you you know you just procreate your own uh, open mic audience. I guess that's an option for, <laughs> for for there aren't a ton of options in South Georgia for audiences. So uh, some of our older our kids all have different personalities, and they would critique my work. And they, but they would do things too. They, they would. would like do magic. Or no goats came in the house. We don't. We didn't allow that. This is America. Uh, um, we don't so, have magic and goats in the same place. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we got to draw a line somewhere. That's right. That's almost like devil worship going that's on there. Right. Something's going to go wrong. You guys are going to bring in some Harry Potter. Uh, <laughs> we're not going to have that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, and I did. I did well. I think I came in second. In the family open mic. No, uh, yes, I was crushing. <laughs> the baby won. <laughs> you can't compete with a baby. No, they're gonna win every time. Yeah, these babies. No, but that was kind of I, I. That was when I felt like I was figuring it out. Like, okay, this is not okay. Felt like I was. There's like the first. You know, you have breakthroughs, right? Mm-hmm. You break. You you're you're like oh. This is and then it wasn't too long after that I was at a show in Carrollton, Georgia, in 2015. Um, it was a showcase thing, but, uh, a lot of guys I knew from the Atlanta comedy scene were there and I actually like, I don't know, what do you call it? Killed, mm-hmm. you know, I've heard I, I was, about it. yeah, 
<laughs> it's it's a rare thing. It's like a you know it's like Bigfoot. Uh, yeah. So and that does not happen every time. But when you when you're struggling at first and then you kind of see that that breakthrough, you know you kind of I think I heard some some podcast or it may have been Nate Brigetti or somebody on a podcast one time saying you you always want to get back to like those times when you did really well. And mm-hmm. so that was kind of like my one of my first kind of anchors, you know, like okay that worked, yeah. you know, and then you have some that don't. <laughs> scattered yeah. in a lot that don't work in there and then you kind of want to you know try to get back to yeah that, but at least so. you got you know what you're capable of doing yeah that was huge that was a huge turn for me um and most, most i think most of that's a mental game you know a lot of it is i think you know the preparation certainly is and then the performance is but then also how you process and evaluate afterwards is can get skewed like if you haven't done well in a long time, you do pretty good. Sometimes you think that's that's great. Yeah. But when you struggle a little bit and you crush, you're like, oh, okay. There's a big gap between day to day and big success. Yeah. Yeah. You know. And then then you do try to recreate that and and focus on the things that work. And and typically it's hard to live up to those big ones immediately. Yeah. But you start getting more and more more and more big ones closer together. Yeah. To where you're more consistent and people start noticing that and then offering you other opportunities and the uh, paid gigs and whatnot yeah, that's that, right. that come out of that. So what were some of the things that once you kind of got the, the groove going and I want to insert in here somewhere too, that you had, you had a couple of viral Facebook type things in, in the process. Yeah. That, so I'm trying yeah. to figure out where they happened, but was the first one, the mixtape or was there one before uh, the, that? So the, the Leonard Skinner tape yes, that yes. my, my daughter child number three found from the, that thing every year. So that was like May of 2016 and I had 300 followers on my Facebook page at the time. Yeah. I didn't have any. And I, she came up and made some sarcastic comment like, hey, look, Dad, is this from the Civil War? I was like, that's funny. I'm going to put that on my page. And Facebook's algorithm was a lot different then. So pages didn't get the restrictions that they have now. Right. And the right people saw it. I think Van, the Van Zant band shared it, and it just took off. And uh, I actually booked... I booked a show in North Dakota yeah, <laughs> and a mini tour from that, from somebody, this is, I mean, you can't control this. Like right. that's what I'm just, I'm grateful that any of starting as late as I did in life and in, in the life situation that I'm in, I'm grateful that I've been able to do anything. Mm. Uh, but I did, I booked like an anchor show, you know, that was a, a, a good, uh, you know, a good dollar number and then was able to book some smaller shows there and back. And we took the whole family, uh, all eight of us in a Honda Odyssey. <laughs> and what an Odyssey it was. Oh yeah, I drove into Three Rivers um, by myself. I put the family out. No, it was <laughs> it was uh, it was it, it was tough, but it was a lot of fun. We well, had we had a good time. Got to see the country. Yeah. Got to hang with the family. Got to do comedy. That's like That's right. three of the best things there are. Yeah, totally. That's excellent. And that that one went viral. And then did that Trump one go viral? The Trump went. So I had. Um, I had I had one that I did when April the giraffe was uh, pregnant. Yeah, that's it. And I put I put just Trump hands in front of the giraffe and said that <laughs> yeah. that was going to be Trump's secretary of labor because she was in labor. And uh, somehow the zoo saw that where the, the and they zoo. shared it and it went kind of you know viral is weird though now like in in you know 2008 if you had a million views on something you'd be on the Today Show mm-hmm. now. You, you'll book some work, but but it's not 
it's not the the drastic transformative right. thing because you're competing with like there's a guy, you know, a guy freaking out from getting his armpits waxed that has 150 million views on Facebook. Right. You, so, so that's what you're competing with. Yeah, you, it's you, never apples to apples. It's no. just like it's like what to what? Right. To, huh? To yeah. Huh? So you, you know, <laughs> a, a rubber uh, chicken clucking the words to Despac- Justin Bieber's Despacito or yeah. what? I mean, you can't. So you, you can't look at it like that. I'm grateful, you know, that and then I had a bit um, uh, at a show I was doing with Anita Renfro that was uh, kind of, I don't know, when I work churches, it's usually my closer. It's called If, if, if Trump Were on Staff at Your Church. Right. And um, and that one went, I guess, the most viral or whatever. It, I think it's, I think it topped out at about six million views. You know, I want to thank all of you fake news people, all of you, even you in the cheap seats. I want to thank all of you people. For coming out to this committee meeting, it's going to be, quite frankly, probably the best committee meeting of all the committee meetings that you've ever been to. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be phenomenal. It's going to be phenomenal. And isn't this a beautiful facility to have a committee meeting in? Isn't it a beautiful facility? It's a beautiful facility. And I know you've been asking me, ma'am, Donald, when did you grow the beard? I grew it on the way here, okay? I have the best follicles. They're just amazing follicles. They're unbelievable follicles. Unbelievable. And I'm very honored that all of you, even you, who's not laughing over there, have chosen me to be your youth pastor. I'm going to be, quite frankly, the best youth pastor. I know more about youth than youth know about youth. I know more about youth than anybody. The youth come to me, they ask me this, I tell them that, and they're happy. They're happy. The youth are happy. But there is something going on with our youth. There's something very, very horrible going on. They are holding hands. They're hugging, not from the side. My people are looking into that. We're going to put a stop to that. We're going to build a wall around the boys. We're going to build a wall around the girls. We're going to make the Methodists pay for it. They're going to pay for all of it. And we are going to make lock-ins great again. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, Anita. Thank you, Life Church. You guys have been awesome. That was that was, that was a big change for me because then I was suddenly booking like my own. You know, you yeah. know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And, and the thing is, I wish I could tell people. Well, you know, well, this is what you do to get the uh, with your strategy to make sure you can be successful in this world, right? Right. You know, to defeat the comedy uh, giant. But <laughs> there's no, like, my kid found a tape in a creek. Yeah. I did some on a whim. I put Trump hands in front of a thing, right? And then the video from the Trump, uh, uh, if Trump were on staff at your church, they weren't. They were like testing their streaming video at this church. It was in Austin. It was um. Uh, Randy Phillips, the, uh, Phillips, Craig, and Dean. Okay. His yeah, history, yeah. and that that church is like built for performances. So that that the um the sound was amazing. Like you could hear the audience perfectly, mm-hmm. which you you know some video you get you you can only hear you. Yeah. And you can be doing really well, but you there's no okay. So you, oh, yeah. Yeah. It was just terrible. You're like, oh, this could have been great, but it was just like the perfect kind of storm of uh, you know uh. I had that bit right where I wanted it, 
and it was a fantastic crowd in a fantastic vi- venue with with really good video and really good audio. And Facebook had not made some of their more drastic changes yet, mm-hmm. and and there had not been years now of every late night talk show host and SNL, you know, ripping Trump. Right. Uh, which you know, when you do things in a mean spirited way, it's got a shelf life. So I, I don't know. I, I just, I don't like to do that right. with, with my comedy. So I want to, I'm going to pick on Hillary, Bernie, you know, Trump, Bush, Obama, yeah. everybody, everybody gets a joke and you know, yeah. but, uh, yeah. So that's kind of a lot of things out of my control. I wish, you know, well, true. However, what's, what is in your control and people should take away from all that is those aren't the only three things you ever post. You, you post regularly and you post often, and so there's it increases the chances of things being picked up. That's true. They're high quality yeah. all the time, so you're you're in a, a habit of putting out good content, and that's something that if they only take one thing from this podcast episode is you just can't like plan six months to do this one thing and put all your money and ideas behind it and, and see if you can push it to be viral. Yeah. You just have to be constantly in the stream of what's going on, and so you're with the giraffe thing you were in tune with the big story of the day mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you did something timely you didn't wait till six months later and try to try to wedge it back in yeah yeah you know same thing with the trump and that was the the keeping the youth apart from each other with the wall right yes yeah so yeah. everything was in time and step you know the civil war tape in the creek that just happened to, to hit at the right time for whatever reason and the band shared it but but you're constantly noticing things that okay I probably can't just go up in my act and go, my daughter found a Civil War tape, or, you know, a tape and called it from the Civil War. You, right. You may, now you maybe can because you found the other funny things to it, but some things work on video, some things work as a quick post. That's right. And then sometimes they really work. Yeah. And some things you tweet, like that, like, you know, that for your following, they, they, they do really well, mm-hmm. but then the concept just does not transfer to, to the stage. Right. Like you've got to start like okay, well, there's a premise there, but you got the like, you got to go back to square one because yeah. it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, a lot of it doesn't translate. Yeah, but it, it is important though to keep putting that stuff out. And when it does hit, I mean, from the time you had your 300 Facebook fans and the first thing hit, how did that expand roughly numbers wise? Uh, I want to say like with the Skinner thing because that was seen a lot. I mean, that was shared like 60, 70 thousand times. That was crazy. Um, oh, and there's two groups of people when you have something go viral. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's two groups of people. There's the um, group of people that will tell you you're going to hell. Like that's um, yeah. in <laughs> in literal terms. They'll tell you. It doesn't matter. You could post a picture of a kitten, and if enough people see that picture of the kitten, that'll be your first group. Yeah. It'll be the, you're, you have erred against God for posting this kitten, and you are destined to eternal uh, torment in hell. Okay, so... And uh, the other group of people will is the the Illuminati people. You will the Illumin the people they will say that you somehow uh, for having this viral kitten are associated with the Illuminati. So that's <laughs> just to let you know that's no what winning. happens. There's no, no winning you there can't at all. you can't win. Uh, and then you it, probably get and I think you even told me a scattering of of ridiculous comedy offers that you. Some you could somewhat entertain, and some you're like, I, oh. I came in, I came in, engage in the conversation. Can you come to so Guam funny. for twenty five dollars? Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, it's. Uh, I had somebody ask, actually, ask me to come to Madagascar. Interesting. Yes, and I don't know what I was doing. Maybe it was the goats. <laughs> I don't know. It didn't work out. No. It's you just. I guess you just have to, like you said, you make a great point. You have to keep putting stuff out there because you really don't know. Gonna jump in here just for a second, and. uh 
give you a little update on our sponsor. We've got a new sponsor for the show. It's the Art of Bombing podcast. Uh, here's a little information about them, and you can click through in the show notes to go right to it and subscribe to their podcast. I think you'll dig it. Calling all comedians and fans of comedy. Join me, Dan Bublitz Jr., every Tuesday for the Art of Bombing podcast as I talk with comedians of all levels about their worst shows and what can be learned from them. Learning lessons not only to become better comedians, but better people. The Art of Bombing takes an in-depth look at bombing on stage to turn failure into success. Available on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe today. You have no chance of anything going viral if you're not putting stuff out there. Right. And if you're putting out even small hits, you know, a couple thousand views here... Then you're also increasing the people that will share something when it is big, and it, it does help the ball get rolling. That's right. That's exactly you know, 18, right. 18,000 people sharing something is, you know, or yeah. a fragment of that as compared to a fragment of 300 or 3,000. Yeah. It's a big difference, and and the uh, the computers notice yes. the shares and the likes and the whatnot. That's right. But like you say, Facebook's changed a lot of things. You can't even mention the word share in a post or tickets or, like, there's phrasing like, come see me at yeah. or, you know, link in the comments all that stuff is being flagged now yeah they don't as, want uh, they don't want that in people's feeds yeah even though they're constantly adding in more stuff right and wrinkling in things so it is a moving target and it's also just worth noting real quick all those were facebook posts right you didn't have a youtube video that you linked from facebook no i think the trump i think the trump uh, the last one the trump youth faster one i think it you know it got like a hundred thousand views on youtube um and I don't really know how that happened, honestly. Now, so did you post them separately, one to YouTube, I did one post, on Facebook? Yeah, I post, posted one on YouTube, one on Facebook. Um, it, that I think it was in a, it was in like an article, like mm-hmm. Pajama Media, and then a couple other like uh, outlets wrote about it. And I think that may have driven traffic. They linked to the YouTube video. Um, but that was that was a little crazy. Like it, you, you get a lot of you get a lot of people calling you. Yeah. You know, so I. Uh, I would think with that one though, a few more of the right people. Like, yeah, totally. I see this guy; he's a performer. He's in a yes. church. We have a church. We need a performer. Right. So hopefully that's you know. That's right. Dialed in a little bit. Yeah, yeah, more so than uh, a Leonard Skinner tape. Right. <laughs> Which you know, come on now. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Um, so what else is going on in the in the world of Ed Wiley? In the world of Ed Wiley. Because I know you've got uh, you got shows, but you got the farm, and it seems to me like the farm. It's goats, so I don't know exactly, but there's should be a certain amount of attention every day of things yeah, that have to get done, right? Yeah, there is. Like we we milked goats for a while, but that is that is we're not that Amish. Yeah. You can't leave the farm, right? Like you've got to like once you that's it's biology. At yeah, work. you start a cycle that needs to yes. be met, and then yeah, the goat is like milk me, you know, it has right. to be, and that's what they say. It's yeah. actual, um, that's science, but it's they're um. We got out of that, and really, we we like uh, we we just breed them and sell them now. That's what we do. I got you. So it's a uh, it's a it's a lower maintenance endeavor. For you, sounds like the goat has a little bit better time. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's one way to look at it. <laughs> Goats are funny. They have different personalities, but you know, we had we had this one goat that um, would scream like a man, like a grown man, and uh, pretty creepy. I bet. Well, yeah, it was it was so creepy that our neighbor heard it and um, called my wife and was like, she thought she heard me outside being attacked. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's weird. The goat farmer comedy market is strong. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, well, I, th- I think something we haven't really talked about on the podcast before, 
maybe barely touched on though, you know, what do you do when you live way out in the country? I mean, just tell people, even though you're in Georgia, how far, how long it takes you to get into Atlanta? Oh man. I mean, so when I first, when I really first started comedy, I would finish my day job, which remember goats is like side day job. Okay. Yeah. So I would finish my day, day job which in the software. software. Yeah. I'd finish that. I would drive to Atlanta to the landmark diner, which is now the punchline. But at the time it was Jerry Farber's side door. And they had an open mic that started at 9 p.m. And it was usually absolutely horrible. And it's kind of like, I don't know, like I haven't served in the military, but you know the bond people say they have when they've served in conflict. Right. It's a similar, like it, some of those shows were so terrible. And it was a three-hour drive up. And so you'd do your time. And if you won the night, whatever that meant, you might get your name on the sign and could do more time next week. Yeah. Like, yeah that's the punishment is you got to yeah. come back. Yes. You have to drive <laughs> the back. The prize is punishment. I would drive, I would do it though. I would once a week, I would, it would, you know, three hours up. I'd usually spend time like writing on the way up and then, you know, do your five to seven minutes, depending on how many people showed up for the mic that night. And then, uh, you know, I'd drive home, listen to it cry yeah you know my tear stained <laughs> it's just brutal tear stained truck yeah. yeah three hours back when it didn't go well it was brutal and it's it open it, open mic audiences that's the thing is you don't you, a lot of times you don't like there's comedians mm-hmm. and it's all it's like 80 percent comedians comedians laugh at different things like when you're not doing well yeah when it for the wrong reasons and, yeah and and jerry farber was great like he's 80 i think now and he he said Ed, you need you need to put everything you've got into it. You know, he was he, he sounded like he's like a slower, lower Trump actually yeah. is the way he talks. But he he uh, Jerry was like he encouraged me to use the guitar. He encouraged me to do impressions because you know comedy purists they they're like oh impressions are hacky and then you find out well you don't do I mean we're all everybody's doing an impression of themselves the time the joke worked that's yeah, that's yeah. my take on that that's great yeah that's true. everybody is you know you you do it and you you get it working like you want it and it's your voice but is it really you're hiding all the parts of your personality that aren't interesting right so it, it's it's a you're performing and uh so i don't i mean i've been doing i you know i started comedy in my late 30s um but i've been doing impressions my whole life like to get out of trouble yeah, so I would do impressions of my teachers, and mm-hmm. they would leave the room. I would get up and do an impression of them, and then they would come back in, and I would get sent to the office. Yeah. That was the cycle. It's funny, like and you were like grade school. Yeah, yeah. That's when I, my first impression was Jimmy Carter. Jimmy in, Carter in third grade. Let's hear it. I'm just a peanut farmer from Georgia, and I'm, just, I, I'm working so hard for this country. I can't wait to take over the White House. And <laughs> I don't know. It's been about 20 years since I've heard uh, Jimmy Carter. That's great. Not bad. So I'm sure like when you were young, was it the Saturday Night Live impressionist like Dana Carvey that you looked to? Dana Carvey, I would go to school. I, like I went to I went to public school K through five. Uh, I mean, I'd tell this joke in my act, but I got beaten up a lot. So my mom put me in private Christian school, and I learned a lot in Christian school. I learned that it hurts just as bad to get punched by a Christian. So, um, but in Christian school, uh, like I think it was in like tenth grade, you know, you have Bible class, and um, you have to memorize a lot of scripture. So I had to. I think it was Romans eight or something, and I came to school. And like it was my turn, I recited Romans 8 as Dana Carvey doing George Bush Sr. <laughs> and um, you got it in you right now? It would no, no, I don't. I don't have that in me. <laughs> don't have the George Bush Sr. But that was, you know, it was well received. The teacher uh-huh. was in tears. 
kind of like with your sure. Jimmy Carter, right? Sure, yeah. Uh, so it was, you know, that was fun. But it's still, I didn't, I, 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 it did not register to me that that was a viable like occupation. Yeah, pursuit. Was, yeah, ne- it wasn't even yeah a consideration. Yeah, I'm curious, like, because even after I did comedy the first couple of times, I didn't realize it was a possibility. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like it never, even though I, I was the guy that picked up our comics for the college, I would drive to the Pittsburgh International Airport and bring them back down to West Virginia. Okay. I knew, I, obviously, I, I saw them write some huge checks to some of those guys, but it never looked, I, I just thought those people existed. I didn't know you could like learn how to do it, especially in West Virginia or Kentucky or Ohio yeah. where I was kind of around. So, so yeah, it's just a bizarre thing, isn't it? As you're, when you're a kid, there's no, I mean, kids today, obviously, completely different because they yeah. can search anything on YouTube or the internet and go in fact a lot of kids you see these kids doing Trump impressions and they're trying to get they're trying to get work out of it totally their parents are trying to get work for them out of it yep. so it has changed a lot you know when you were going back and forth <clears throat> from way out in the middle of nowhere Georgia to Atlanta like when was the first time was it the bleep free night where you're like eh, there might be a few dollars in this down the road somewhere or was it you know I think would it would it still been fun if there weren't I think um, so I I guess one thing I kind of left out like um, so I met at um, K Dodd and Lisa Mills two of my very good friends and um, mentors to me they're the in best comedy they're awesome um, they were at that show that Derek Tennant show that bleep free show and they were like oh. Okay, he's he did well, you know. So they had seen you before. They they had seen me at CCA, just like we know his face, but they'd never seen me perform. And so, um, Kay asked me to do a fundraiser show the following March, and unbeknownst to me at the time, and that was and that fundraiser show was in Canton, Georgia. I did like 20 minutes, but it was, I had a strong night mm. and Anita Renfro was in the audience. And then Anita, I didn't know Anita. Then she reached out from that. She reached out to me and was like, Hey, do you want to come feature for me sometime? And, and, and you did like the string of compassion dates. With yeah. Her? I did some compassion dates and some prison fellowship international dates with her. So it was, um, and I think Anita, another mentor, I mean, just awesome human being, uh, you know, I think a series of, you know, taking your class, connecting with you, meeting Kay and Lisa, um, Kay putting me on that show, and then getting on Anita's, like, feature for Anita, you know, I I just, I learned a lot from people who were actually doing it, mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, saw that there, you know, there was a viable kind of... Progression. Yeah, trajectory, yeah. if you will. So, I think it looks different for everybody. You know, I'm not... You know, 20 years old, single, and can do 300 dates, you know, right. a year. <laughs> right. That's not happening. Right. I'm the sole breadwinner in my family. So I've got to, you know, that mark, I've got to hit, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I've got you to. got to be strategic. Very much. Opportunistic. It's, and But then you do some things like this, which is an opportunity coming up to town. And, yeah, and that's right. Making the drive. Yeah, that's right. Just working it. And my, well, this is mainly because my wife kicked me out of the house. This is. Um, and let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the first time and it won't be the last. No, it won't. She was like, she's recovered. She. She's just been under the weather. She's feeling a little better, clearly, because she was like, you know. You, you got to get out of here. Yeah, you got to get out of here. Why don't you go up and hang out with right. Dusty and Rick? Yeah. <laughs> she, she knows we're bad company. Yes. <laughs> she's like, that, that actually makes me feel extremely safe. Like, she's like, uh, he can't get any trouble up there with those guys. 
They're not going to lead him astray. Oh, man. They might go to a bookstore or something afterwards yeah. and knock over the periodical rack. <laughs> Don't get two shots in your espresso. There you go. <laughs> cool, man. I'm glad we got to hang out a little yeah, bit. Yeah, man. Thanks, Rick. Hope you enjoyed the episode today. Always good to catch up with friends on the road or when they're on the road in my town, Nashville, Tennessee. Ed's a good guy. Uh, Check out his clips. I've linked to a few of his things in the show notes so you can go check out the video that goes along with some of the audio you heard in the podcast and some other stuff as well. Don't forget to check out the Art of Bombing podcast. You can do that by searching simply that in the iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcast information and subscribe to that podcast. Give it a listen. See what you think. Don't forget again, the Business of Comedy class coming up June 24th. It's right around the corner from 1 to 4 p.m. here in Nashville. If you're interested in that, shoot me an email, schooloflaughs at gmail.com. Put business class in the subject line. I'll make sure to get back to you. And don't forget, also, if you'd like to catch me warming up for the Huckabee Show, you can do that on the date of release here, June 15th. Also on June 19th and July 13th. All that information as well is in the show notes at schooloflaughs.com. All right, have a great summer. I'm out. Stay safe and stay funny. Thanks for listening to the School of Laughs podcast. If you'd like to hear more School of Laughs podcasts, you can find them on iTunes and Stitcher.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. For information on upcoming live and online classes, visit SchoolofLaughs.com. Until next time, stay tuned, stay focused, and stay funny.